Welcome everyone to the Courageous Truth Podcast. As always, I am glad that you have chosen to spend a little bit of time with me today. Today I'm going to be uh, airing part one of my sermon from Courageous Generation Church out of Revelations chapter 12. Part two will be Revelations chapter 13. So Revelations 12 talks a little bit about Israel and the origin of Satan from a biblical perspective. And then part two will focus on the Antichrist and the beginning of the tribulation. I think this is very, very important, uh, especially if you don't know anything about biblical prophecy, this will really be helpful. What I want to make very clear is the book of Revelation is a prophetic book. There is a lot of mystery that has yet to be uncovered or lived out in the real world. So it's important that you note that, yes, I am giving my best biblical interpretation based upon what I have studied and a life of pursuing truth in God's word. But at the same time, God is sovereign. I am not. He wrote the word. I did not. So I am doing my best to interpret what I have uncovered and what I believe. I also want to note, I do reference the book of Revelation as Revelations. That is an accident. I know that the book is called Revelation, but if you hear me say that throughout the course of this sermon, uh, just know that I apologize for that. But anyway, I hope you enjoy this. I hope it is helpful to you. God bless you and enjoy this episode. Part two will be in a few days. Thank you. Welcome, everyone, to the Courageous Truth Podcast, where we strive to live courageously through the lens of Scripture and build courageous lives in a world that is driven by fear. Your host is a proud parent, a proud pastor, a proud business owner, and a proud American. Tune in today for your dose of courageous truth. And now, your host, Eric Lundberg. So, okay, so let's go into... Revelations chapter 12. This is going to be a lot of fun. So, um, I'm just going to kind of do a a little bit of review, and then we'll read through it. So there will be some scripture reading. Um, Now, uh, I also want to uh, assign someone. So if someone wants to read some scripture, there's three uh, scriptures or sections that I want to read through. Um, Job 1, 6 through 12, if someone wants to volunteer for that. Okay, so we got Tristan. We said Job 1. Job 1, 6 through 12. And it won't be right now, it'll be in a little bit, just so you're kind of aware. And then Ezekiel 28, 12 through 17. Rose will take that one. Can you repeat the chapter and verse one more time? Yes. Ezekiel 28, 12 through 17. Okay. Yeah. And then Isaiah 14, 12 through 16. Okay, TJ. TJ. Okay. Oh, yeah, they're whole packets. Yeah, it's a whole packet. Yeah. That's how I... Yeah. Isaiah what? What was that? Isaiah 14, 12 through 16. Yeah, I tried to, like, stack them. I don't know. It's not you, it's me. I think there's four. When I started this morning, there was 12. So I was like, that's too much. (laughs) Oh, this is going to be fun. 
I don't know how to number the pages. I have Microsoft Word, but I don't know how to do that. Anyway. Okay, so Revelations chapter 12. And I have, I'm, I'm going to be speaking out of the ESV version. Um, but I do have the slides up here. And hopefully the font is big enough for you to hope, go ahead and read it. But this chapter right here, there is so much imagery. There is so much symbolism. And there is so much depth. I think that the way we've approached this, we've been in Revelation since February, the way we've approached it is just with the simplest interpretation. And then if there's something that we don't fully understand, we just, we just chalk it up and say, you know what, we don't fully understand that. We, we can't really get into that. But just to kind of review how the book of Revelation has unfolded up until this point. Uh, in the first chapter, John has a vision of the glorified Jesus. He sees the beautiful Jesus with the eyes of fire and the feet of bronze and the white hair. And he's got a sword coming. Just sees this beautiful vision of Jesus walking among seven golden lampstands with seven stars in his hands. Then he writes seven separate letters to seven churches, uh, each one with warning and encouragement and instruction, uh, depending on where that church was at. And they're scattered all throughout Asia Minor. Um, and then it shifts completely in chapter four, and John sees a vision of heaven. And in the heaven, he sees that beautiful throne room, uh, the throne of God, and, and all the things that are happening around it. He sees the elders, the, the living nightmare, scary creatures up there with all the wings and eyes. Uh, and then he sees Jesus as the broken, as the, the, the slain lamb, and he breaks open the seals that are on the scroll. And then after that, uh, the, the, every time a seal is broken, there's seven of them, releases a different judgment into the earth. Now... Uh, just so, so you guys know, like, I teach out of a pre-tribulation uh, rapture. That's, that's, how I, that's how I do it. Um, I, I do believe that there is a lot of scripture to support that. Um, but I also know that God is sovereign and I am not. So, so we teach it, we look at that. And that's kind of the, the interesting part about teaching a book like this. Because there are things you don't know. And that's okay. But I think that, that Jesus put this in scripture for us to study and know what his plan is because it reveals the full ministry of Jesus. We know his earthly ministry was to come, die on the cross for our sins, raise again uh, on the third day, and then ascend into heaven to the right hand of the Father so the Holy Spirit could come. But we believe that there is, is he's going to be returning at some point that only God knows, um, and he's going to set up his kingdom on earth. And this is, uh, book is a lot about what is is going to take place around that time period, which God alone decides that. So then uh, we go through that. So there's judgments that come on the earth. There's 144,000 that are sealed for evangelism during the seven-year tribulation period. There's two witnesses, their ministries. There's a whole bunch of supernatural things that are happening on the earth. And according to the pre-tribulation rapture, there is um, the church is out. So when the wrath of God comes, like it says in, in, in the book of Romans, that the wrath of God is not for us. So we believe that the church has been taken out uh, of the world at that time, and uh, all these events are taking place. But the mercy of God still has an evangelistic, uh, still has an evangelistic mission on the earth during that time to bring more and more people into the kingdom of God. So that was a snapshot view. Now we're into uh, Revelations chapter 12. Now, this, there is a, a lot of symbolism in here. So just for the, like, 
I, I'm, we're just gonna go through it and just touch on what we know. Like there's massive depth. I've read, listened to teachings, I've read commentaries, and there's a lot there. But we'll stick with the simplest part, uh, uh, the simplest things here. So, Revelation chapter 12. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of 12 stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads, ten horns, and on his head seven diadems. His tail swept a third of the stars out of heaven and cast them down to earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who was to rule over all the nations with a rod of iron, but her child was caught up to God and to his throne. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. Now a war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives unto death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great wrath, because he knows that his time is short. Almost done. And when the dragon saw that he had been thrown down to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of the great eagle so that she might fly from the serpent into the wilderness to the place where she is to be nourished for a time and times and times and half a time. The serpent poured water like a river out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away in a flood, but the earth came to the help of the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed the river that the dragon had poured from his mouth. Then the dragon became furious with the woman and went off to make war on the rest of their offspring, on those who keep the commandments of God and hold to the testimony of Jesus. And he stood on the sands of the seashore. So, there's that. That's easy, right? <laughs> there is a lot. So there's so much. In that, in that chapter of scripture. There's so much we could get lost and overwhelmed, but I think we want to stick with just the key things to kind of just give us an overview of really what's happening in this passage of scripture. So there's cre three key figures. First one is we have the woman. She is clothed with the sun. She has moon under her feet. She has a crown of 12 stars and she is in birth pains. Now, Couple things to note. In Genesis chapter 37, verse 9, Joseph has a dream, right? He has a dream where he sees the sun and the moon, and he sees 11 stars all bow down to him. Now, I'm not saying that, that the, the sun and the moon mean, mean anything like this, but I think it is interesting to note uh, in a study of a book like this, the, the, the parallels between Revelation and Genesis, and you'll see why in just a minute. So kind of keep that in your in your head bank. We see the red dragon, 
and this guy is a nasty thing. He has seven heads, ten horns, seven diadems, which are like diamond kind of things. Uh, it's a red dragon, which symbolizes death, as we, we've seen in earlier chapters. And a tail swept a third of the stars out of, this, out of heaven. So, okay, well that's easy to interpret. And then we have the child, which is a little bit easier. Male child, ruled the nations with an iron scepter, and he was caught up to God. Now, a note on the red dragon is that the, the, the heads and the horns and the diadems, they symbolize great power, royalty, political power, uh, and, and, and uh, economic power. Okay? Now, all that being said, let's take a look. Now, the woman in this, and it's very, very clear, is the woman is the nation of Israel. In the book of Isaiah, and in many Old Testament prophets, the, the nation of Israel is, is uh, spoken of like a woman in birth pains. Why is that? Because uh, uh, the birth, and I'm skipping ahead a little bit, but the birth of, Messiah, of the Messiah was the primary reason God chose Israel. So they know, they, they speak of the nation of Israel as a woman in birth pains because the Messiah is coming. And they don't know when, they don't know, know who, but they know that the Messiah is coming through the nation of Israel. And we know that, that male child, obviously, to be the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And the red dragon is obviously Satan, okay? Now, looking back through Scripture, Satan has had it out for the nation of Israel. Why? Because he wants to destroy the line to keep the Messiah from coming. He tried to, he just tried to destroy it in the Garden of Eden. He tried to destroy it all throughout the Old Testament. In the book of Esther, he tried to create uh, uh, a genocide around the Jewish people. All throughout uh, scripture, we see Satan meddling, trying to keep the Messiah from being born, trying to keep him from growing up because he knows what's going to happen. Okay. When King Herod, uh, you remember in, in, I think it's Luke chapter 2, King Herod ordered all the babies two and under to be slaughtered. That's disgusting. That's sick. That can only happen through satanic influence. Okay? So, we know that now Satan has failed to keep Jesus in the grave. He rose from the dead. He ascended to heaven. The Holy Spirit's now. Satan wants to do anything he can to keep Jesus from returning. Okay? When Jesus returns, the Bible says that when Jesus returns, his second coming to set up his kingdom, where does Satan go? The bottomless pit for a thousand years. He knows that's coming. He wants to drag as many people down as he can. Okay? It just, it, I love it because it shows how little power Satan has. You know, we think, we look at the world and we're like, oh my gosh. You know? But anyways, he does not have as much power as he would like us to think that he has. Okay? First uh, John three eight says the oh sorry he had to report to God where he was like God didn't know you know yeah that's I I love that well I mean you, you can read a a chapter like this and be overwhelmed you're like this 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 dragon this Satan is chasing this woman and it's just this grotesque like thing you know but I don't know. Yeah, I think we just need to be reminded who our God is. But John, 1 John 3.8 says, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Destroy them completely. And this chapter, obviously, it showcases two kingdoms at work in the world today. 
Uh, number one, the kingdom of the Father, or God, life and light. And the kingdom of the devil, death and darkness. This chapter reveals the spiritual war of the ages. I mean, how was I going to say this? Like, Satan is adamant to destroy us. Because what, what, why is that? Because we are furthering the message of the Messiah. We're, we're, we're representing Jesus on earth. It says he makes, the Bible says here, he made war against her offspring. You know, and spiritually think like, in the, like I, I just can't help but think of that song I sung in Sunday school, Father Abraham, that we'd all sing together. You know what I'm saying? Like, as part of the body of Christ, he's made war on us, which is why we need each other to help fight when we're, when we're weak. And this chapter is one of the most revealing on why there is so much anti-Semitism in the world, which is hostility against uh, the Jewish people. Satan hates Israel because of what that nation means to him. And this chapter reveals Satan's ultimate defeat and Christ's ultimate victory. Now this chapter is considered uh, an interlude. The Bible doesn't use that, but it doesn't advance the, the, the story or the, the, the history of what's happening because there's judgments happening and there's all these things happening. And this is just kind of like a lot of people would consider this like an interlude to, to teach us this story. And it's multi-leveled, right? So we, it sees, we see right here that there was a war that arose in heaven. That, that Satan took a third of the angels. We know that Satan took a third of the angels with him. How he talked him into it, I don't know. But he did. He took a third with him. And then there was a war. And then Michael spanked him, sent him down to earth. I mean, imagine that. Like, <clears throat> Anyway. But to, to kind of go into this just a little bit, because why not? Who is Satan? Or formerly Lucifer. So who has Ezekiel chapter 28, 12 through 7? What, do you, what version are you going to read out of? ESV. Oh yeah, love that ESV. Son of man, raise a lamentation over the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, you were the signet of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, sardius, topaz, and diamond, Beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, emerald, and carbuncle, and crafted in gold were your settings and your engravings. On the day that you were created, they were prepared. You were an anointed guardian cherub. I placed, I placed you, you were on the holy mountain of God, in the midst of the stones of fire you walked. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created, till unrighteousness was found in you. In the abundance of your trade, you were filled with violence in your midst, and you sinned. So I cast you as a profane thing from the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O guardian cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was proud because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I exposed you before kings to feast their eyes on you. You know, the, he, he's, it's basically a prophecy towards the king of Tyre in this. But the king of Tyre was one who raised himself up and called himself God. He said, he said I am God. 
Okay, and so the, the prophet Ezekiel came, and I believe it's that same spirit, that same spirit that, that, uh, <coughs> that got a hold of Lucifer, you know, however that gets a hold of an angel, but, but it's that same spirit of pride that says, I don't need to submit to, a, to God. I, I can submit to myself. I can be God. So when we look at that passage, we see a lot of the same themes that, that carry uh, Lucifer from, uh, and it will say in, in Isaiah there, can you, re- who's reading Isaiah? I. Yeah, can you read that out of the King James Version? But obviously he's, he's prophesying toward a king, but he's prophesying towards that spirit, that rebellious spirit that broke him down. Like Lucifer was a beautiful angel, a beautiful angel in heaven that, that was made out of beautiful stuff. Like he was the most beautiful angel, but he was cast down because he didn't want, he wanted to be like God. So. Yeah, Isaiah 14. Yeah, 12 through 16, yeah. How you are fallen from heaven. Lucifer, son of the morning, how you are cut down to the ground, you who awaken the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation, on the furthest sides of the north. Mm -hmm. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. Hmm. Those who see you will gaze at you. Consider you saying, is this the man who made the earth tremble? Who shook the kingdoms? Mm-hmm. It's that same punishment that these kings are receiving is the same punishment that Satan received. They lost their kingdom. They lost their place. They were thrown down to the lowest of the low, you know, because of their pride. Okay? So we, when we see these parallels, we know that, that Satan was at one point an anointed cherub. He was beautiful. He was a beautiful cherub, but... He had pride in his heart. I don't know how angels sin. I'll never understand that. Uh, but that's the way the, the Bible leads us. And we understand. So, And I also thought it was funny <clears throat> that Satan had to go back to heaven in the book of Job and see where he got cast out of. It's kind of a flex. God's kind of flexing on him. Anyway. But we know that Satan means uh, adversary and devil means accuser. So Job, or in the book of Job, we saw that he had some access into heaven. Uh, in Ezekiel and in Isaiah, we saw that he was a beautiful angel, but tried to overthrow God. And in the book of Revelation, just confirms in the same in, in Luke chapter, I want to say it's 17, uh, that he was cast out of heaven down to the earth. As a, I, well, I don't want to speculate. Anyway, so that's who the devil is. And the more we know about this, like this is who that enemy is that's plotting against us. That has already been defeated. And we are being saved from that. Like there is no redemption for him, but there's redemption for us. And we're made in his image. And he hates it to see us worship God. He hates to see us get around the table and and get into God's word. He hates that. He hates it. But he's so like he's defeated. Like, that's kind of like the whole thing. And I think it's too, like, when you know your enemy, you can defeat him even easier. So. Thank you for tuning in to the Courageous Truth Podcast. We live in a world that is in desperate need of courage and in desperate need of truth. Our prayer is that this podcast will equip and inspire you to live courageously for your family, your community, your God, and for your country. 
Be courageous in your stand for truth in a world that is completely abandoned. See you next time right here at the Courageous Truth Podcast. Remember, truth requires courage. <laughs>